Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Before we do get started, I want to remind you that uh, there are two other podcasts that uh, I'm doing. The first is the Old Time Radio Superman Show, which we've been doing since 2008. It's available at laserandsword.com. Plus, if you're uh, interested in World War II, I encourage you to check out The War, thewar.greatdetectives.net, which features all sorts of wartime and war-related uh, old-time radio, including comedies, dramas, and uh, news stories. It's a limited edition podcast that will continue on through August of this year, uh, but will be available for you to download whenever you'd like to take a listen. So uh, check out The War, thewar.greatdetectives.net. Uh, coming up at uh, Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, I count down my top five favorite Yours Truly Johnny Dollar uh, serials, and uh, you can have my uh, commentaries and reviews automatically delivered to your Kindle, and you can try that service out for free for uh, two weeks in the Amazon Kindle store. Well, now it's time for our double feature look at police headquarters with episode 9, Dope, and episode 10, Life Insurance Scheme. Police headquarters. Just a minute, I'll give you the identification bureau. Identification bureau, Captain Roberts. This is Patrolman Guy Webb, Captain, on the riverfront beach. What's up, Webb? A couple of fishermen just fished across out of the river down near the low sun wall. Mm, Chinatown, huh? Yeah. I see. Did you identify the corpse? No, sir. Not yet. It's a man. American, about 25 or 30. Where's the corpse now? Laying on the bank beside the wharf. I got the fisherman guarding it till I get back. Okay, Webb. Hop back and stay there. I'll be down in about five minutes. If anyone comes nosing around, hold them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Got a short call car to pick me up in front. Uh, get uh, Williams and Murphy. We're making an investigation down on the river. Yes, sir. Where is it, Webb? This way, sir. You better use your light, Captain. It's as black as pitch down there. Aren't there any street lights around here? No, sir. The one you passed three blocks back was the last one. This part of the river isn't used very much. Where's this wharf you spoke of? The Low Sun Wharf? Yeah. yeah over there. 
not used anymore except by a few Chinese fishermen. You say uh, fishermen found the body? Yes, sir. I got their names and addresses and let them go. Where'd they find it? Under the wharf, sir. It was weighted down with iron. Hmm. Must have been pitched off the wharf. Yeah, that's what I figured, sir. Now, here's the body, Captain. Hmm. Hmm. Lend a hand here, Williams, and we'll drag it out of the water a little farther. Yes, sir. Gee, that water looks black, sir. Yeah. Flash a light on him, Webb. Hmm. Young fellow, wasn't he? Yeah. Ever seen him before? No, sir. Let's see what he has in his pockets. Well, nothing, sir. I went through him while I was waiting for you. Hmm. I found this scrap of paper, that's all. Let's see it. Hold your light over here, Williams. Right. Looks like a piece of paper sack. Yeah, there's some writing on it, too, Captain. A Chinese name. Hmm. Sun Yat Key. Ever hear of this Sun Yat Key? Yeah. He's supposed to be a big shot down here in Chinatown. Never saw him, though. Hmm. Yeah, this guy's got a bump on his head. Well, it's pretty plain what happened. You mean it was murder, sir? We got a dead man here. What does it look like? Post office? Uh, no, sir. Here's something, Captain. Oh, piece of black silk. Where'd you find it? In his hand. Looks like it was torn off in a struggle. Yeah. Well, a couple of you boys stay until the wagon gets here. We'll try to identify this guy down at headquarters. Yes, sir. You come with me, Webb, and write out your report. Yes, sir. <laughs> Identification Bureau, Captain Roberts. Oh, hello, Commissioner. No, sir, we haven't identified him yet. Looks like it'll be another one of those Chinatown mysteries. Yes, sir, I will. Come in. Captain Roberts? Yeah. I'm Ferguson. <clears throat> Milton Ferguson, government narcotic detail. Oh, yeah, sit down. Thanks. You fellas did some work for us a while back on a dope raid. Yeah? The chief sent me over to enlist your help again. Sure, what's up, another raid? Not this time. Missing man. Who is he? Tommy Woods, our ace undercover man. He's been missing two days now. Where'd you last see him? Chinatown. He went into a restaurant down on Trent Street near the river. As far as we know, he never came out. Did you search the place? Yes. Hu Lang Sin, the Chinaman who runs it, says Woods never came in at all. What did this Woods look like? Oh, he was a young fellow, about 30, weighed about 130 pounds. Blonde hair, gold front tooth? Oh, yes. Have you seen him? Not less than five minutes ago. We've been trying to identify him for the last 24 hours. You mean he's dead? Somebody hit him over the head and tossed him into the river at the foot of Trent Street. Are you sure? He's in the morgue if you care to look him over. Wait a minute. How was this man dressed? Mm, cheap linen suit, yellow shoes, red tie. Uh, that was Tommy, all right. Here's something we found in his pocket. A scrap of paper with the name of Sun Yat Key on it. Hmm. Uh, in his hand, we also found this piece of black silk with gold embroidery. Looks like a part of a Chinese robe. And in his watch pocket, we found a few grains of rice, all colored up. Rice? That's interesting. Yeah. Captain Roberts, Tommy Woods was killed by an opium gang that we've been trying to round up for the last six months. He's the second man we've lost. You got any evidence on the gang? Nothing direct. We've been told that this Sun Yat Key is the head of it. We also have reason to believe that the opium is dispensed from the rear of Fu Lang Sin's restaurant. Why didn't you send a crew to wreck the place? Haven't enough evidence. This Sun Yat Key is a very clever man. Imports his stuff direct from Persia. Oh, I thought all opium came from China. <laughs> a fallacy, Captain. Persian opium of good quality contains from 10 to 15 percent of morphine. And Shandu, made from Persian opium, would contain perhaps 25 percent. That's why Sun Yat Key deals exclusively in Persian opium. If we can break him, we break the ring. Why don't you get him, then? No evidence. Our men can't get near him. Some doubt if he even exists. 
Well, how about one of our boys? No better. They seem to be able to spot a cop a mile off. Say, I got it. How about a woman? Uh, we thought of that, too. But the chief vetoed it. Too dangerous. I know someone who'd give her right arm to bust that dope ring. Who? Our police matron, Carrie Welch. She lost a younger brother down there on the riverfront about a year ago. A narcotic crazed Chinaman shot him. You think she'd take the risk? Sure, she'd love it. All right, Roberts. We'll see that Carrie Welch gets the chance. Call her in. There's a restaurant just ahead. You enter the front door, walk to the back. You'll see a little door with Chinese letters on it. Go through that door and ask for Sun Yat Ki. Understand everything, Miss Welsh? Yes, Captain. Here. Here's a $10 bill. It's marked money. Now, if you can, make a buy of opium, walk out the same door you came in. Roberts and I will rush back, recover the money. Your job is to get away with the dope. I understand. Now, if you get into trouble, call for us. We'll be sitting in the back of the restaurant eating. But, of course, don't recognize us when you come in. Yes, sir. Now, all right. Give us about five minutes to get inside. Come on, Robert. Yeah. This Fulang Sin who runs the place is a crafty fellow. You'll never get the idea he's not smart. He speaks English better than you or I. Yeah, I've heard of him. Supposed to have graduated from one of our colleges. Yes. Here we are. I'll talk to him. Ah, that's a warning gong. It sounds whenever police enter the place. Here comes a Chinaman. It's Fulang Sin. Well, hello, Fu Langsin. It is with much pleasure that this lowly person again has the honor of being visited by the police. Wise guy, aren't you? The gods say, in a realm of fools, it is easy to be wise. We're not interested in what your heathen gods say. You don't like it very much when we drop in on you this way, do you? It is written, my dear lieutenant, that he that exciteth anger is a fool. He that retorteth with anger is still a greater one. It should also be written, Fu Langsin. It is unwise to arouse the anger of the police. Uh, this is Captain Roberts from headquarters. I am deeply honored by your presence, Captain. What may this lowly servant do for you? Well, we're just uh, down here looking around, Fulangsin. It is written that fate has no pity for them who take needless risks. What do you mean by that? Nothing, my dear Captain, nothing. The Captain and I came down for dinner. Oh. I am honored. A table for the occasion? Yes, in the back, where we can keep an eye on you. It shall be as you wish. You have them well trained, haven't you? Say, what are all these fancy grains of rice? Merely a custom of my ancestors. Ceremonial rice. Ceremonial rice, eh? Yes. Each grain is carefully polished and painted by hand and placed in one's robe until the Day of Atonement. Well, quite a job to paint all those grains by hand, isn't it? It is written that the work of the idol is dear. Your table is ready, Lieutenant. Oh, thank you. Come on, Captain. I'll lead the way, Ferguson. We'd better get back to our table in a hurry. Mrs. Welch will be coming in to make the buy. Uh, here, this is it. Yeah. Sit down. I'll sit facing the front. Hey, where did I see those rice grains before? In Tommy Wood's pocket. That's it. Say, gosh. And Mrs. Welch. Look at your menu, Robert. Yeah. Hmm. She walked right through without looking right or left. And Roberts, for the first time, that warning gong didn't sound. Good. Maybe she'll be able to swing it. If she makes a buy, we'll take in everybody in this joint. I've men outside to surround the place at the first sign of trouble. Good Lord. They're gone. <laughs> Who was that? A woman screamed. Come on, Carrie Welch is in trouble. Through this door back, back here. Ah, the door's locked. Take the chair and break it in. Yeah. 
Carrie Welch. She's hurt. Here, give me a hand. They're knocked out. Look out! What is that? A knife. It just missed you by an inch. Quick. Came from behind those curtains. Yeah. There he is in the back room. Send that key. Yeah. Get him. He's coming for you. Yeah. He's still moving. Give it to him again. Yeah. The gun won't stop him. He's still moving. No, it's no use. You might as well be shooting blanks. Now, here's an axe. There, take that, you yell. Well, I'll be. Wax. It's a wax figure. On a track. <laughs> no wonder we couldn't find Sun Yat he was a wax figure. Yeah. It's hollow inside. I got it. Whoever is passing out this dope was using this figure so he wouldn't be recognized. He spoke to the peddler and passed out the dope through this wax figure. A front. And here's a tin of opium. Well, what do you know about that? Here's something else. Look, Captain. Well, I'll be. <laughs> All right, Will Langton, put him up. Put the cuffs on him, Robert. Yeah. There has been trouble. It is written... It is written that one Fu Langton restaurant owner has been caught selling opium under the name of Sun Yat Ki and has been caught. It is written that obstinacy is the firmness of unreason. Oh, yes? You had a pretty clever game, didn't you? You used that wax figure so nobody could see your face. You even had it fixed so it would move. You didn't fool us. One does not have to fool you. Quiet. I've listened to enough of your Chinese philosophy. Look here. This is what caught you and linked you with the murder of Tommy Wood. Right. Ceremonial right. One of Captain Roberts' bullets cut through your robe. And you spilled a trail of colored rice from the back room around the corner and back in here. I'm sorry, Fu Langton, but we've got you dead to right. <sighs> it is said that fate writes with an invisible hand. Police headquarters. Right. Hello, Tim. Send a wrecking crew down to Fu Lang Sin's Chinese restaurant on Trent Street. Captain Roberts will meet him there. Police headquarters. Just a minute, Sheriff. Chief's office. Jimmy Chief Robertson, quick. Yes, sir. For you, Chief. Chief Robertson. This is Sheriff Klein, Harmonsville. We've just had an earthquake. Half the town is in ruins. We need help and need it quick. There's another one now. We've just... Hello? 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 Peters. Peters, it's an earthquake. Put every available officer on duty. Yes, sir. And look at that chandelier swing, sir. Look out! Oh, never mind the chandelier. It's over now. We just got a sample of the quake that hit Harmonsville. Sheriff Klein phoned that it's destroyed half the town. We've got to get aid there quick. Yes, sir. And, uh, Peters. Yes? Put all exchange officers to work calling hospitals and relief agencies. We need all available doctors and nurses. Yes, sir. Radio. Send all South Area squad cars to cover the earthquake at Harmonsville. Have them report directly to us. Yes, sir. Calling 
Please, please, headquarters, calling General Hospital. There's been a nurse. I'll please, please. please, headquarters, doctor. All doctors are needed at Harmonsville in emergency. Please, headquarters. We need all available nurses at Harmonsville. Earthquake, emergency. Order Company 612 and 14 to aid the Harmonsville Fire Department. The whole town is in flames. list of dead and injured, sir. Mm, good. Put them on the desk. Well, the worst is all over now, Chief. Don't you think you better get some sleep? Sleep? No, I'm good for the rest of the day. All right, Chief. But you've been up two days and nights now, sir. Yes? I'm Mr. Logan to see you, Chief. All right, send him in. Now, don't worry about me, Peters. That quake was a terrible thing, but it, it looks like we have the situation well under control. Come in. Chief Robinson? Yes. I'm Spencer Logan, investigator for the major insurance company. Oh, sit down, Mr. Logan. This is Captain Peters. Well, thank you. How do you do, Peters? Oh, glad to know you. Our company is making adjustments and paying policy just as rapidly as possible in the Harmonsville quake. Good. That will speed relief work. We realize that. However, in hurrying to pay all claims, it's necessary to increase our vigilance. You mean uh, against fraudulent claims? Yes. Any major disaster such as this always has its share. My company wants to pay all legitimate claims as soon as it can. But it's my job to see that there are no frauds. I see. It's too large a job for one man, so I'm appealing to you for one or two men from your office to speed things up. Otherwise, claimants will be forced to wait their turn. Well, just what do you want from my men? Well, they will be asked to assist only in cases where our investigators can't handle the situation. I see. Uh, take this case, for instance. Uh, pull up a chair, Peter. Yes, sir. Now, here's a typical case. The case of Ward Williams. Williams and his brother owned a small shop on White Street, right in the center of the earthquake district. The shop, not insured, is in ruins. However, Williams' brother, Hugh Williams, is heavily insured with our company. You mean uh, life insurance? Yes. Late yesterday, rescuers pulled the body from under the ruins. This Ward Williams claims that it's the body of his brother. He identified it uh, in one of the temporary morgues. He also produced a $50,000 policy and demanded immediate payment. That's not strange, is it? No, that part of it isn't. However, I was present when Williams identified the body by the clothes and shoes. He appeared greatly grieved. But another merchant asked him if he was sure that the body was that of his brother. Williams was shaken and answered in a menacing tone, Sure it is. And nobody better say it isn't. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Now, it's been my experience that anyone who has the least possible reason to believe a relative alive will grasp at the hope of any suggestion to that effect. Yes, that's right. Not only that, but I took the other merchant aside and asked him why he suggested that the body might not be Hugh Williams. And he told me that as he, the merchant, ran from his store, he thought he saw Hugh Williams and his brother run into the street. Well, were there any other employees in the shop at the time of the quake? No, but we have only Williams' word for that. Well, what do you propose to do? Well, in this particular case, I propose to enlist your aid in finding Hugh Williams, whom I believe to be still alive. You mean uh, you believe him to be in a plot with his brother to collect the insurance? Yes. In which case, finding him will prove very difficult, as he would naturally go into hiding until after the claim had been paid. Well, if our cooperation will speed relief, I'll be glad to assign a few men to you. Well, thank you. And uh, just as a starter, Chief, 
I'd like to take a crack at this Williams case. All right, Peters. If you've any ideas on it, I'm sure that Mr. Logan will be grateful for your assistance. Indeed, I will. All right. Just give me this Williams address, and I'll soon have a report for you. Yes, sir. I got some ideas of my own on this thing. Central Police Station. There's a little matter I'd like to talk to you about. Certainly, Captain. Come in. Oh, thanks. Sit down here, Captain. No, thanks. I can't stay long. Uh, Mr. Williams, one of our patrolmen picked up a man about 45 who'd been struck by a hit-and-run driver. When this man regained consciousness, we asked his name, and he claims he is Hugh Williams, but doesn't know where he lives. Hugh. The doctor says he's suffering from amnesia, loss of memory, and I thought he might be your brother. My brother Hugh is dead. I saw him with my own eyes as they pulled his body from the wreckage of my store. You're positive in your identification? I am. Well, I guess that's that. This fellow's name may be Hugh Williams, but he's probably not the person this adjuster thinks he is. No. Adjuster? Yeah, a fellow named Logan, investigator for the major insurance company. You see, his idea is that during the confusion of the quake, your brother ran from the building before it fell and was making his way to the city when he was struck by an automobile. I'm sorry, Captain Peters, but my brother was buried yesterday. This other is a case of mistaken identity. Yeah, that's what I figured, Mr. Williams. A fellow ought to know his own brother. But the insurance company isn't taking any chances during a time like this. The investigator is going to have a talk with this fellow tomorrow morning. The poor guy won't last long, and the adjuster figures he'll talk before he dies. You say he's in the hospital? Yeah. Which one? Oh, I don't know. I saw the name in the paper, but I'm not sure. Why? Are you interested? Huh? Oh, no, no, I... Well, I'm sorry I bothered you, Mr. Williams. That's all right. Well, so long. I'm sorry about your brother. Thanks. Well, how'd he take it? Just like I thought he would, Logan. He was startled when I sprung it on him. And he sort of calmed down, and just before I left, he tried to ask, unconcerned-like, where this man was. Oh, he's interested, all right. You hit it, Peters, making him think that his brother was struck by a hit-and-run driver is one way of finding out. Just how sure he is that the man found in the ruins was his brother. Yeah, and I figure that if Ward Williams knows his brother is alive, he'll try to see him and shut him up. Right. You say he asked which hospital a man was in? Yeah, and I told him I didn't remember. But I saw it in a newspaper. He'll watch every paper that comes out. Come on. Where are you going now? To give the next edition of The Sun a very interesting little article. One Williams will most likely read. Oh, good. Let's see it. It's on page one, just as you gave it to them. Oh. Man near death insists he is not dead. There's a headline for you. An unidentified man, about 45, lies dying in Providence Hospital, insisting that his name is Hugh Williams. Police find that a Hugh Williams is alleged to have died in the recent Harmonsville earthquake and believe that the man is suffering from mental attacks as a result of being struck by a hit-and-run driver sometime last night. Well, that'll pull Williams out of anything, Will. Yes. 
Providence Hospital, eh? Oh, Chief's office, Captain Peters. Oh, hello, Burke. What's that? When? All right, beat it over to the hospital and get into bed as we planned. There you are. We've got him worried already. Burke, the man I left to watch William, says that he bought every edition of the afternoon papers and took them home. After about 30 minutes, he came out with a copy of The Sun in his pocket and started for the city in his car. Good. I told Burke to beat it to the hospital and get into bed as we'd planned. We'll arrange to meet our friend Mr. Williams at the hospital and ask him why all the interest if he's so sure his brother is dead. Everything all set, Burke? I'll get in the bed and pull the covers up around your neck. Okay. That's it. Got the nurse instructed? Yes. When Williams asked to see the man, she's to give him the room key and let him come alone. Good work. Hey, you better pull down that shade and turn off the light. We'll hide behind this screen. Williams should be here any minute. Right. Good. Now, there's just enough light in the room to see the bed. You all set, Burke? Okay, this is a cinch. All right. Get over here with me, Logan. I figure we won't have to long to wait. Hey, I'm getting... Somebody's at the door. He's trying the knob. Ooh. All right, put him up. Get the lights on, Logan. I say, say what the... Oh, you don't. Get his hand, Logan. His right hand. There's something in it. Give me that. Well, I'll be... What is it? Cyanide. He was all set to bump his brother off. Why, you crazy fool. I never thought you'd go as far as murder. Why not? The paper said he was going to die anyway. He's ratted on me. He's ruined my chances of getting that 50000 Now, you and your brother had this all framed, didn't you? He was to disappear and you were to collect the insurance. Is that right? Yes. Well, who was the man whose body was found in the wreckage? A tramp who'd come in looking for a handout just as quick started. And you tried to fool us with the wrong corpse, huh? Well, I guess we got it back on you. Hey, wake up, Burke. Hmm? Who, me? Why, that's not my brother. It's... It's a trick. Yeah. You were tricking us, and we were tricking you. Take him down, Burke. Welcome back. Well, a few parts in there, kind of, uh, in episode nine, kind of uncomfortable to twenty uh, first century ears, and in some ways a lot harsher racially than we would see in the post war uh, era, which tended to scale things back a bit. The character, of course, was way overplayed with the use of proverbs and such. The way that guy was going, even Charlie Chan would have said he was overdoing it. Also, the police seem kind of high-ended. Bringing a wrecking crew to a place where they've just arrested someone, let alone, uh, and haven't con uh, obtained a conviction. Episode 10 was an interesting scheme. I did find myself questioning why our criminal didn't go to where his brother was supposed to be at and see if he was still there. Going to the hospital would be silly, particularly if it turned out to be another Williams, which with that last name is definitely a possibility. Plus, it was assuming a lot to assume that his brother would give him away 
And if his brother did truly die, then he would get the insurance legitimately and just say he made a mistake in identification. But I guess a guilty conscience and all that. Uh, another thing I liked about that second episode was that the name of the major insurance company was uh, Major Insurance Company. Uh, I just found that hilarious. I wonder if they bank with very large bank and if they would in the future contract their out their insurance uh, investigations to very competent insurance investigators. And we also got a, a peek at what insurance companies did before they could call on yours truly, Johnny Dollar. All right, well, uh, turn now to some listener comments and feedback. Brett writes over on the uh, our wall on Facebook. Hi, Adam. I appreciate the effort you put into all your podcasts. They are first rate, and the insight and comments you provide give it an added dimension. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks so much, Brett. All right. Well, we have some programming notes. Next week starts our new lineup with Manhunt uh, set for Mondays and Philip Marlowe taking over on Wednesdays. Coming up tomorrow, it's our 1,250th episode uh, uh, special, and I think you will find it to be a worthwhile uh, listening experience. So join us for that on Sunday, and on Monday we'll be back with Manhunt. And Saturday, two more episodes of Police Headquarters. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.